0: We're going to be talking to new Renew Guru, Jim Kreider, the director of our Southern Missouri operations about rural electric cooperatives and how you can play a part on this week's Renew Hello out there in podcast world. This is Renew Guru, your source for all things energy policy and politics in Missouri, and beyond i'm executive director james owen coming to you live on tape from my secret undisclosed location in western columbia philip our producer is going to be joining us later but not as a producer but he will be joining us in our conversation uh this podcast today is going to be sort of an introduction to the newest team member we have at renew missouri uh, please welcome, as I mentioned, Director of our Southern Missouri operations, Jim Kreider. Hey, Jim. Hey. Good afternoon, everyone. Hello, Mr. Director. How are you today? I'm good, or good morning, or good evening, or whenever you're all listening to this. Um, so, Jim, hey. um, you are you are um, you're someone I've known for a while. Yep. And I, and I think some people in our audience will know you. But for the people who don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and your career, and you know whatever else that you would like to share?
1: <laughs> sure. Well, first of all, I appreciate you uh, asking me to be part of this today, and I'm really excited about being the newest team member of Renew Missouri. Uh, this is a great cause and I'm excited about it and ready to go to work. But my name is Jim Kreider. I am from Christian County, Nixon, Missouri. And uh, I spent 10 years in the state house as a state representative, but probably more than that, I worked 30 years in Jefferson City, uh, not only as a state representative, but as a, an executive director of the Missouri Retired Teachers Association Right, so I feel like I uh got a vast amount of experience in grassroots campaigning right education, those kind of things, so I hope that's what I will bring to uh yeah. this organization, yeah, oh look, Philip Forsik has
0: joined us <laughs> hey Philip, hey, Philip. Hi. hello. <laughs> How's so, Jim, when you when you when you say you're 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 from Christian County, just to give people some some um some perspective there, that is the county just south of Springfield in Southwest Missouri. Yes, uh, Nixa is um you uh, for a while were able to say it was the fastest growing city in the country. It, I mean, it was for a while, was it not? Fastest growing county in the, the country. County
1: all through the nineties and halfway through the two thousands. Yeah, it's yeah. grown very rapidly. We're right between Springfield and Branson. Yeah, so Which are hot spots, hot spots, and highways <laughs> going to Branson and Springfield.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> so uh, it's boomed. That's not the little county that I was raised in, really. Next, right. I had tw- uh, when I was a kid had twelve hundred people in it. and Now it's forty thousand.
0: Know? Yeah, I mean that's so, no joke. That is, I mean, I, I when I. As long as I can remember, Nick said there was about four or five thousand people there. And now, and then you know, you look down every census, it was like 10, 15, 20. It is really kind of an incredible story, the growth that you've seen right. there. Well, uh on that but, note, I was
1: elected in nineteen ninety-two, which is right yeah. after the census of nineteen ninety. Right. Well, when I was term limited out in two thousand and two, and we had the twenty the two twenty. The 2000 census my state rep district had tripled its size
0: yeah that's they wild. made
1: three state rep districts out of that one district of mine which is just saying how fast it has grown yeah uh, in that part of the world and we have a lot of co-ops supplying electricity in that part of the world too
0: yeah including i mean you are still at the family farm there Yep. yes sir which is probably pretty rare, having uh, <laughs> farmland in that part of the uh, part of the state. Now it's been a lot of that's been subdivided and developed.
1: Yeah, I always like to say I got ninety acres in the middle of Nixa. Uh, it's not yeah. too big, but I run forty cows and and uh, still have the family farm and plan on keeping it that way.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And you are an Ozark Electric Cooperative customer. I am member yeah. owner. You're a member owner. I'm a member owner.
2: Yeah. Well, well said, Jim.
0: Yes, <laughs> that's right. You so so when we're talking about this, it's not just uh, it's not just someone like me or Philip who you know live in the big city who are trying to tell these farmers what to do. Um, <laughs> you're there. You're you're the guy. Um, when you're when you're in the house, you were also I think you mentioned that you were speaker. I didn't uh, mention that, but... I'm going to mention it because it's a big deal. <laughs> you were Speaker of the House for two years. Yep, yeah, that's a, quite right. an honor to
1: have that position.
0: Same. Yeah. Um, how was... how What was that experience like? I mean...
1: Oh, there, there's nothing like it. You can't describe it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, every minute of every working day, you're making someone mad or someone happy. <laughs> or both, or both. <laughs> so uh, it's a uh, it's it's quite an experience. I mean, you are running the House of Representatives. You have uh, about five hundred employees plus one hundred and sixty three members of the House,
0: uh-huh.
1: and you always have to kind of have the attitude: I'm the Speaker of the House, not of the Democrats, not right. of the Republicans. House. So right. We uh, worked very hard to maintain the integrity of the house, uh, and uh, those kind of things
0: that were important. Uh, so uh, it was quite an experience, yeah. I can only imagine. Uh, but yes, you, I mean, you were kind of in that first wave of people that got knocked out because of term limits that got voted on by uh Missourians in 1992. Right. That, was it 92? Yeah, um. And so then you you had been you've been working in Jefferson City since then. Um, and had retired. <laughs> yes. Then I drug you back in. <laughs> well, not really, not really.
1: No, I tell you what, I was excited to to have a chance to become part of this team and part of this effort. Yeah. I retired about a year ago. I retired about a year ago from MRTA, the retired teacher association. Yep. And uh Uh, it's hard to sit still too long. All the fences are fixed. (laughs) All the farm is in great shape. Yeah. I want to go.
0: I got to have a cause. That's me. I have to have a cause to work for. And this is it. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Now it's exciting. Uh, I'm excited um, because it is, I mean, I would say, and I mean this in the nicest way possible is very unorthodox. (laughs) Hire, but I think it's I think that's like that's why I like it oh. because I mean, I think people were expecting, I don't know, like Philip, I don't know, what do you think? Like we kind of expect that groups like this are gonna hire someone with like purple hair and nose rings and things like that. <laughs> yes, uh, not that either one of <laughs> us look like that, but uh, it is kind of the this idea that we're all kind of like, you know, young like punks but you know we're all kind of like older punks um <laughs> yeah
2: definitely we went the opposite of gen z yes yeah. we did which is <laughs> we well i
1: think that's yes. that's why you you need a guy like me just call me old dad and i can give you the, the wisdom see i can give you stories and and uh teach you youngsters how to oh. operate
2: Yeah, yeah, I
0: mean, you've also worked in, uh, you know, part of the states, not necessarily known to embrace these kind of subjects and topics. um, And you've been able to be successful at that. Um, And so yeah, it seems to me like there's, there's a certain, um, you've had a certain success in trying to talk about, um, you know, I guess we say forward thinking issues, uh, where people are kind of tend to be more traditional, more conservative. I mean, what do you think it is about, um, I mean, what do you think it is about like what, if you're in a rural area talking about clean energy as an example, like what you feel like you're, like what you feel like you're, like what your connection with, with folks are about that. What do you think appeals to people about that or what could appeal to them?
1: Well, first of all, I want to say, I think there's a misperception. I think most farmers are, Radical environmentalists. Mm-hmm. They want their land and the air clean and their water clean, and they work at it for the most part. So I think that's a misperception that farmers are just out there throwing chemicals around and right and, and, polluting and what have you. I don't think that's necessarily the case. So uh, what I want to say, though, is I think... Like normal Americans, we kind of take things for granted. And the fact that rural Missouri has these co-ops that were enacted under Franklin Roosevelt that many years ago to electrify rural Missouri. So that means you might have 100 customers when they started out, Mm -hmm. which no electric company could make money doing that. Right. So the, the idea of an electric cooperative was just an extraordinary brain trust issue. I mean, I think it was a just an extraordinary thing to think of to get right. real Missouri electrified. So my point is, is that people pay their electric bill. They don't like it. <laughs> and they... They just think I gotta pay it. They don't know where the electricity comes from, nor do right. they probably care. They just gotta pay it. Right. And so I think what what in rural Missouri, uh, uh, people of member, uh, owner members of co-ops have a unique opportunity and responsibility to get involved with their own co-op. They elect the board members who make decisions and if you want to keep your electric rates low and stable, then you need to be involved in rural Missouri with electric cooperatives.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I think a lot of our uh, initiatives here is to educate folks. I don't, I think, I doubt if one out of 10 know that they are a um, own a member owner of a, of a cooperative
0: oh i think that very much surprises people um i you know i think they again i, I to your point i guess <laughs> you all said, if you walk into a room and you turn on the light you don't think about it when the light comes on but whenever you walk into a room and the light doesn't come on then you're mad you get your <laughs> bill every month and it might be high and you might cuss that a little bit but you still pay it mm-hmm. and that's about the only time people think about it but um, you know, to me, like, and I think, you know, it's one thing that we all have talked a lot about, you know, there's, there's a lot more that goes on with this about, you know, if how a co-op is making energy, where its energy comes from, does have an impact on, you know, how you use it, who might be attracted to an area. There are businesses that want to move to areas that have clean energy opportunities. Yes. Um, and I think a lot of people are, I think when people hear that, they, that surprises them. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I very
1: much agree. Uh, for the most part in Missouri, as far as I know, the co-ops are are, are uh, very reliable, meaning electricity comes on and it stays on,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they're getting, like in the 80s when I used to milk cows, you know how this is, you're an old dairy yeah. farmer when the electricity goes off, you're in bad
0: shape. You know, you hit- yeah, it ain't cheap to run one of those generators. I can tell you that.
1: <laughs> and when we had ice storms, you know, and stuff, but, uh, but generally co-ops are, have done a decent job in making sure electricity flows. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think if we go on with this conversation, uh, it's a different world today when people are concerned about clean energy. They're concerned about their electric bills going up. They they want lower electric bills. Uh, they want their houses to be uh, 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 what's the word efficient. Efficient. That's the word efficient. <laughs> and those things all cost money, and their are ways of doing things. And and coal is becoming a dirty word in America. You know. Coal is this perception of this big old black smoke coming out of a, a stack. Right. And, and, and I think uh, a lot of our co-ops, um, their electricity comes from coal plants in Missouri, especially. We'd like to encourage them to find other uh, forms of energy to complement or, or, or maybe even replace those coal plants someday. So. A member owner who elects a board member, I will say that, uh, oh, excuse me. My poke bar is talking to me. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, know. <laughs> I hate that when it does that. Uh, uh, but I think there's only one person in 10 or maybe 100 that vote for these right. board members. So, you know, these are elected people.
0: Mm-hmm. They're supposed to listen to you. And and what an amazing opportunity we have now, you know, that we have this. And, and Philip and I have spent a lot of time talking about this on previous podcasts about funding available, relief available that's going to be, uh, you know, coming from the federal government. Once again, the federal government that did help make rural electric cooperatives a reality back 80 some odd years ago. Um, and now you're going to be able to, you know, you know, have that as available as a transition um, because, you know, I uh, well, gosh, you know, we looked at this, we look. we got, we got a little letter this weekend. Uh, the, the associate electric cooperative um, CEO published an editorial about their future. <laughs> we should just get into this because they, they were talking, because, you know, cause we know that they are, they're aware of this law. They're aware of this bill, certainly aware of our position on these things. And, you know, they were talking about reliability. You were talking about reliability. Um, yes. And for the, for the large part, they they do provide reliable service. That's the obligation of a utility. Um, Philip, you know, I'm since you're on here and you're not really here as a producer, you remember we were talking a little bit about the um, coal plant up north here by Macon, Thomas Hills. I always yep. want to say Thousand Hills, but that's like, a it's Thomas Hill, right? Yep. Yes. Yep, that's right. Yeah, how how is in regards to it's a coal plant. Yep, you know that one thing that everyone says we got to have, we got to have running all the time because the sun mm-hmm. doesn't always shine and the wind doesn't always blow. Well, has it been running consistently this year?
2: Uh, it has not been the most reliable during uh, the oh. summer heat waves. They had yeah? a, two of their three units uh, at the plant not operating for most of the summer when we had unprecedented heat waves, and yeah, uh, they're. Reaction to that was to buy power uh, to meet the needs uh, due to their you know not reliable generation in that coal plant uh, for that Ooh. time where they had it, and they <laughs> had to buy from you know a whole range of generation sources. I'm sure there oh, were some renewables, really cool maybe some <laughs> what wind, <was> that, <laughs> maybe some solar, maybe some hydro, some gas, some nuclear, some yeah. coal. We don't know. Maybe but some know wind. And at, and at what price? Yes, yeah. thank you, Jim. So Very they good had to—they <laughs> um, had to get it from whatever source at whatever price to keep those lights on. Which, to reliability, it was reliable. It was on. They kept things going. Um, they had to send out the calls for folks to conserve energy as well for them to be able to meet, you know, the the level of uh, demand they were receiving. Yeah. Uh, but one thing to your point on this letter we saw from Associate Electric, they have a point saying that there has been a shift away over the past 20 years in the utility industry, away from reliable dispatchable coal and nuclear generation, primarily due to environmental and safety concerns. Mm. And that might've been true 20 years ago, but in the world we are in today in 2022, and with the laundry list of new options available now, as of a month ago, for them to finance renewable energy projects, that is not the case. This is an economic argument. There's no environmental or safety concern here. Nuclear isn't going to any in any way compete with other options of generation they can pursue, and neither will keeping the coal plants going that they currently have in operation.
0: Right. So during this extreme heat that we had this summer, that coal plant, those it was not running at full capacity, and they were buying uh, they were buying power off the marketplace. Which when it's hot, there's a lot of demand for that, so that price is going to go up. So not so reliable. And then... Good point. uh, Yeah, then the letter goes on to say, well, we're going to invest a lot into gas, natural gas. Like the co-ops are going to invest in gas. Okay, true. A lot of people say that's reliable, but gentlemen, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you remember back in 2021, uh, we had that big, we call it in the biz, Winter Storm Uri. Everyone else remembers that one week when it was just super cold every day, and everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, what is going to happen?" <laughs> and we had all these threats of rolling blackouts, and brownouts. And Philip, do you remember what one of the most primary, <laughs> what one of the most
2: primary reliability issues was during that period? Uh, yeah, it was an issue of being too cold for them to run any of those plants to burn anything. Yeah, the natural
1: gas was freezing. <laughs> oh my goodness! Really, I did not know that.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, hey Jim, you know, we we are we we live we we were dealing with energy policy through all of that and yeah uh, natural gas wells froze, the gas itself froze. Um not helpful when we were trying to make power.
2: Right. <laughs> you know? right. Yeah. And I mean one thing that is nice though with the natural gas in this is yeah. that they're saying it's only for future growth. They're not saying they're going to use it to meet their existing demands. So to that point, that's okay. They can still diversify their mix and hey, shut down one of these coal plants, reinvest in other generation assets, and then they will be diversifying their portfolio to not be, you know, a majority in coal and heavily reliant upon coal. And if there are any issues with their coal plants, like we just talked about, then they have more options and resiliency and reliability because they don't have all their eggs in one basket. Yeah.
0: But again, good luck if it's really cold. Um, yeah. it, then he also said in this letter, and we'll and we'll so send this letter out with our uh, email in this podcast because I want to make sure. I just it was just interesting because all this was this was sent out right after this bill passed. They're going to invest in the, the, the co-ops have said they want to invest in the future into small nuclear, like modular nuclear devices. Not big nuclear power plants like we've got in Callaway County, um, which is a very, which is a very expensive, very long-term project. But there is this belief now that we should have smaller nuclear modular nuclear devices that will be cheaper and more effective. Uh, Even though, fun fact for everybody here, um, you know, originally the utilities wanted to do deploy small modular nuclear devices but literally couldn't do it because they were too expensive and that's why they started building bigger plants um but I just want to say something about that um, because this is kind of something that I think about a lot because we've talked about nuclear policy in the Missouri legislature for the past couple of years um last year I was in a hearing an anti-Grain Belt Express hearing. We've had a lot of conversations about Grain Belt Express, about transmission lines. And I don't want to pick on a particular person or a particular county, but there was an elected county commissioner from a county that was going to be along this line who got up in a hearing on the record and said it was his belief that this transmission line was going to make their cows glow in the dark. He said it. He said it. Now, I wonder... I you know Jim, as you noted, I've I've been around cattle a good chunk of my life. I've never seen a cow glow in the dark and we've got transmission lines going over our property. But I do wonder, I mean, does that person do you think they would have concerns about a nuclear yeah. power plant <laughs> the size of a, of a mobile home being placed in their county? Did yeah. they have concerns about that making their cows glow in the dark potentially? Yeah. I don't know. I'm just I'm just thinking out loud.
1: Well, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> perception is reality sometimes. Yeah. I've never I've never seen a cow glow in the dark either, but you no. know, you would want to have an assurance <laughs> and confidence in any kind of new energy producer like a modular nuclear plant which I Personally, sitting here today, would not have that confidence. Mm. Yeah. So, so, uh, yeah, I think uh, uh, that might be a thing of the future. You know, technology yeah. improves almost every day with Look, everything. So, I on fine. the record.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Jim. Go ahead.
1: No, I'm just saying, but right now, I would not want a lot of. Little nuclear plants scattered all
0: over Missouri seems like <laughs> it might be a problem for people. Yeah. Now, having said that, let me just say, yes, you're right. Technology is evolving and changing. If, like, say, for example, we got nuclear fusion to work, not nuclear fission. If nuclear fusion would work at a large, large scale, I'm going to happily shut down this organization and let that power us <laughs> like forever because I think that would probably be like be optimal, right? Um, right. But we're not there. And we, what we have now is we have um, instances. If you look at Ameren, look at Evergy, look at Liberty. They've built wind farms. They've built large scale solar. They are going to be building uh, large scale battery, um, de- uh, battery devices as thanks to Philip and his testimony that we submitted in the Evergy case. And that's going to be approved. That was approved, in fact, last week that stipulation and agreement that, that included that. And those are things that those companies, which I wouldn't describe them as punks or hippies or anything like that. They're, they're capitalists. Yeah. <laughs> um, they are, they are, you know, adherent to their investors and they are moving in that direction, a direction, which the CEO of ACI said, and this is not, me um, paraphrasing, he said, "Any utility doing that is stupid."
1: <laughs> yeah, <Man. laughs> Well, I read that too, and I was really taken aback with that language. I mean, he basically said solar was stupid it mm-hmm. because it wasn't proven, wind wasn't it wasn't efficient because it wasn't proven, right? But yet. You see major for-profit electric companies, yeah, with investors mm-hmm. and stockholders uh, going that way as fast as they can go. Yeah. So that shows there's he's a little behind the times. This gentleman from Associated yeah. Electric. Uh, you know, I think the stars are aligned for renewable energy. The uh, Inflation Reduction Act that was just signed. Mm-hmm. I mean. That is it's something that's going to really, really help us get uh, into renewable energy. It's going to create jobs. It's, it's just a great thing that's going to happen. And the co-ops need to take advantage of it, in yep. my opinion. Yeah. That's going to be my job is trying to convince them and the member owners that there's things we can take advantage of um, from the federal government and yep. state government. And we can have... Uh, a lot better renewable energy out there in the country.
2: Mm-hmm. I just, I just hope that was said and quoted prior to the Inflation Reduction Act. I'm just going to assume for him that it was, because uh, they're, it, it's kind of a no brainer now the other way to not do it. Uh, when we're looking at the loan forgiveness provisions, when we're looking at the REAP program provisions, both of which have billions of dollars and. All- over hundreds of millions of dollars plus to a billion dollars can come to Missouri itself through those programs. There's also the direct pay tax credit option, which wasn't ever available to co-ops. Now they can just get that money directly sent to them to help with 30% of project costs for renewable energy systems. Instead of having a tax credit and doing the really wonky financing deals with a third party to get them the tax credit benefits and to do a leasing arrangement and all that, they can just go out and build it and get money directly back from the federal government. So the world we lived in prior to the passing of the Inflation Reduction Act uh, is no longer the same in the energy space.
1: That's and it's- a good point. It's no longer. I mean, it just—it's night and day after that bill was signed into law. I mean, that's—we're going to see big benefits from this uh, Inflation Reduction Act, yeah. and I hope the co-ops can figure that out.
0: Yeah. And I mean, and you're right, Philip, to assume the best. I mean, look, those magazines, I know I've been I've been a part of magazine publication before. Sometimes those get done months in advance. This moved very quickly. This was done in like, you know, I remember it was like early. Was it early August? I think it was something like that when this all started moving. So we hope we hope we can assume the best. And just to be sure (laughs) we are going to be working with member owners of Missouri's co-ops who, again, Mm -hmm. reminder, are the bosses here. Mm -hmm. And we talk about this member owner thing. I mean, we should think about that phrase means you are in charge. Mm -hmm. Um, We want these folks to hear what their bosses have to say. And um, we've, um, We've got we've got some mail going out don't we guys oh, yeah yep. we got something happening right yep. mm-hmm. a little bit about twenty five thousand <laughs> surveys are going out to different places in the state uh people asking them to, to to talk about what they would like to see their co-op do uh we are going to be sending out that online i will be coming out with this uh, email plus we'll be sending that out pretty frequently um and we want to make sure that we because a part of what this investment you know this inflation reduction act is you know trying to get public input on what their co-ops should be doing and so that's what we're going to help with
2: yeah we're just and, trying to be helpful <laughs> yeah and there are these community uh, benefit plans that are a part of usda programming to give out money for co-ops so It will actually help with, you know, planning and application processes for the co-ops in Missouri to have member owners thinking and talking about this. So when it is something they want, it'll actually be good for a community, have a local, you know, angle to it uh, because it's really up to the member owners on what it's going to look like. So if we're getting a lot of feedback, like, hey, we really want renewable energy and energy efficiency programs available to us. And we want local jobs for these new programs and these new systems that are being built that would be pretty fancy. I think that would be great. If I was a member owner, that's what I would want to see in that kind of plan. Uh, But that's why we're reaching out. We want to hear from them.
1: Exactly. So I would like to encourage anyone listening when they get their survey to please fill it out. Yep. Please send it to us because we're going to use that information and your input as, as part of our argument or our discussion with the, Uh, uh, co-ops and such Uh, so it's important that you fill that survey out for
0: us it won't take very long at all and if you get one get it back to us yeah and if you get this and you're not a co-op member you know someone that lives in a co-op forward it to them because you know um we do have a little bit of a a sweetener with this you know we're going to put your name in it we did this a couple years ago we were like trying to get information for a memo we did and we asked people to answer some questions and we said we would, you know, put you in a, uh, a raffle for a gift card, and everyone thought that was a scam. But then five people got a gift card, and they were very happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, you will get that chance again if you fill this out. You will get a chance to um, get a gift card from somewhere. We haven't decided quite where yet. So somewhere yeah, that's, or-
1: for, that's for real. We're going to give it away. Give some away. For real,
0: okay. for real, for real. Yeah. it's not just for renew Missouri swag. I promise it'll be something good. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) Um, so that's coming. And so that's kind of like what I want to do today. Uh, Jim, do you have anything else you would like to, anything you'd like else to plug before we wrap up?
1: Well, I will say once again, I think the stars are aligned. Now's the time to get involved because I think we can make huge difference with co-ops and renewable energy as a big picture. Um, and we're going to work at that at Renew Missouri, so it's important that you fill out your surveys and get them in and that you get involved at the local level. You know, these are elected officials. They're board members. They're elected. They're supposed to respond to you. So I encourage people not to forget that, that they work for you. You don't work for them, (laughs) right? And the last thing I'll say, and here's the key to everything, there's strength in numbers. Yep. You get enough people talking to a board member, talking to the president of the board, you're going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. So, no. so uh, I've seen it. I've watched it. I've encouraged it with the Retired Teachers Association. Grassroots does work. And right. we'll keep, keep your electric bill lower, keep it more reliable, keep it cleaner. It'll just be a big benefit to everyone in Missouri, rural Missouri, especially when
0: it comes to the co-ops. Yeah. So, We are, we're undertaking a big effort to reach out to folks, get their input, put that input and make it a reality. And that's what we're hoping to do here. Um, There is a, there are a lot of people who, you know, status quo has worked very well for them in running this. Uh, But I think looking forward, looking to long-term, the status quo is not going to be enough. It just isn't going to be enough. So fill out that survey. As Jim Crider, so, fill out that survey.
1: <laughs> fill out that survey. <laughs> I mean, did I, I really do believe that coal plants are just going to be a thing of the past in the next yeah. 10, 15 years. So you got to oh. come, come up with something different. And uh, you know, Nixa has about a, a, what,
0: 80
1: acre solar field.
0: It's the you largest know? municipal uh, solar
1: farm in the state. Yeah, there you go. And it's, oh. and, you know, it's, I drive by it all the time, and I think, oh, that's good. Yeah. You know? And I know the kind of my part of the world, in Greene County, across the line, they just shut down the James River power plant, the city utilities of Springfield did. They did. It was a coal plant. Yep. And, uh, you know, you just see it in uh, – I used to watch train car after train car, train uh-uh. car, coal come into that plant, and now it's Yep. None. Yep. So I'm just saying – the future says we need to get renewables, we need mm-hmm. renewables.
0: So. And the rural Missouri very much needs to be in the future because we have, as, as you and I both know, Philip, you know, to a certain extent, but, you know, whenever I go down to Webster County, I worry about what's happening there. I want it to move forward into the future, and I just sometimes wonder if it's going to be able to do that, and I think this is going to be a way to make that happen. It's going to be one part of it. It's not the big part, but it's something. So,
2: yeah. And one thing Brother I want to J- hit on too, Go just ahead. real quick, the um, both these plants but the big coal plants, they're not paid off. Like we, we're still in debt to the federal government to keep these plants operating. So now is really a once in a generation opportunity. If this program doesn't get renewed uh, for the co-ops to get out from underneath at least half of that and get one of the plants gone and reinvest in forgivable money and just wipe that debt off their books forever. And then reinvest in an asset that can create more value into the future.
1: And I think the key to what you just said is that debt is also the member owner's debt.
2: Yep. Yep. And that's it's off their bills. Co-op ops
1: debt. Yep. co is the members are the members. So, yep. you know, uh, uh, we need to get, get rid of that.
0: As, as I've said a lot before you, it is hard to pro- plan for the future when you've got debt hanging around you. That is true for your household. That's true as an individual. That is true for a community. Yes. And uh, this is a way of unlocking that and getting rid of it. So let's Uh, go do it.
1: (laughs) Mr. Director, I think uh, one thing we ought to bring up right quick.
0: Yes. is the
1: possible thousands and thousands of jobs. Yes. That are going to be created because of this Inflation Reduction Act. I think Missouri already employs 54,000 people in the renewable energy business. That could triple, quadruple. Yeah. Uh, you have a story about one particular company that wanted total renewable energy. Kansas City area. Where was that?
0: Yeah, they there was a there was a there was a proposal put before the Public Service Commission to to give a special deal to a company. It was very vague, uh, where they were wanting to buy renewable energy directly from Evergy. Uh The Public Service Commission approved that. Next day, it was revealed that was Facebook building a data center that was going to be an eight hundred million dollar investment, three hundred new jobs, uh, no no telling how many indirect jobs that were going to be a result of that. That were going to build around that center, um, and they waited. They waited until that got approved yeah. to make that announcement because they knew that they weren't they weren't going to move there unless they had that access. Period. Right. right. And I
1: think there's going to be more and more companies that will be like that. I think this will attract companies to Missouri if we yes. co-ops to get on board and get moving.
2: Yes. And if we don't, they're not going to wait around for it because across the border in Kansas uh, in July, they got a $4 billion Panasonic EV battery plant. They did. And I'm sure they have some renewable energy generation requirements as part of that too. So yeah, well, they did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: that was in DeSoto, Kansas. They're on K 10 between uh between Kansas City and Lawrence, Mild stomping ground. Um, but yeah, that's a big deal. That's a big that's a big commitment. That's not a very big town either. DeSoto's only a couple thousand people. Um, so that's a big that that will be so, significant for them.
1: To summarize it, the co-ops could be a great job generator for mm-hmm. rural Missouri. Yeah. And rural Missouri needs some jobs. The farms are not there anymore like they were yep those jobs aren't there like they were the Rural real missouri needs some jobs and i think yep. this could be it
2: yeah and i know we hear a lot about coal jobs and concerns around losing coal jobs but to your point there are 400 coal jobs in missouri tied to these two plants we have thousands of clean energy jobs and we'll have thousands more and all of these and for these co-ops if they go through this program They can be local jobs in their community, building in their community, fixing homes around them, going to their neighbor's homes. It's not like we're shipping jobs out somewhere else. These are all going to be local opportunities, too. So we're really opening things up. We're not like West Virginia where thousands of people now aren't going to be able to mine. Like, it's not a a big whole ecosystem around this industry anymore.
1: Yeah, not Missouri for sure.
2: Yeah, Yeah. right. Yeah.
0: Good point all good things gentlemen yeah they'll be thanking us when this is done (laughs) i know it i know it um i want to make a difference i hope we can yeah jim you're great i'm glad you're on our team glad we're working together again philip you know it's always relatively good to see you Uh, thank you, but yeah think yeah but think and I'm not even gonna like do my normal plug um to about the podcast like if you hear this and your're co-op member owner fill out the survey if you know someone and you're not a member owner fill it out pass this around like if you are in a rural area and you're part of a political group or a civic group make sure people see this because I think that this is going to be not only like useful but educational too so, pass it around absolutely pass around that survey fill it out
1: right
0: amen that's that's an order okay (laughs) good job And with that what we want to thank you for listening to renew gurus and until next time fill out the survey